0: Um, Before I uh, begin the afternoon teachings, um, I've been asked just to say uh, a little bit um, since, as far as I can see, it's my uh, last uh, visit to the United States. So I'd just like to uh, speak three or four uh, minutes with regard to this, and then I'll follow on with a... uh, a tribute to Rumi. I have some (laughs) poems I will read and give some commentary on. Just stepping back uh, a little bit, that um, 30 years ago, 1977, I... I first turned up here in uh, California in the earlier part of the year and I had, was on my way home, I had left uh, <clears throat> England in the uh, April of 1967 and got uh, stuck in the robes for a few years and, and then um, carried on uh, around uh, the, the planet. And that took me here to uh, the Bay uh, Area for uh, a few weeks. And I was checking out what used to be referred to in those days as the the spiritual supermarket and um, lending an ear on what was going on uh, here. Then flew to New York City for a few days and uh, stayed with somebody that I knew in India, Uh, maybe Danny or Daniel Goleman. Who wrote a, a book on emotional intelligence? So I stayed with him a few days, and then in the May of 1977, I, after 10 years and 10 days uh, away, I landed back in, in England, having done the, the circle around the globe. And one small sort of incident bears in mind I didn't want my parents meeting me at the airport. Um, um, mostly because I, I know my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "Look, please stay at home. Don't come to the airport, and I'll get the, the the bus and the train. They lived in South London, and I'll meet you at home, and like that." So a few hundred meters from my home house, small incident sticking. I had my backpack on, you know, 10 years and 10 days away from uh, England, walking along there, and it's so often, it was a Sunday morning, and there was uh, a guy in the garden, doing his garden as English people like to do, and he looks up at me, walking there, and he said, been on holiday. LAUGHTER <laughs> And I said to him, will you yeah yeah, actually <laughs> 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 and then um, um uh, 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 a few a few weeks uh, later um jack Jack Cornfield, who I knew as a when we were both uh, monks and we used to, we were both rather thin and gaunt at the time, and uh, the common view uh, first set of Jack and then of myself, that underneath our robes, there was only a coat hanger. (laughs) And Jack very, very kindly invited me uh, that year to come to uh, the United States to give some uh, uh, teachings. And he gave me, I remember this, he gave me two choices. One was to go to Boulder in uh, Colorado, and the other was to go to the new Insight Meditation Center in Barrie, uh, Massachusetts. And he said, you, uh, We'll arrange, you can come to either either one. Uh, yeah. So I um, had uh, l- listened to a tape of, oh, I'm not going to mention any names here, um, of uh, one, uh, what should we say, a- Asian person whose speech was not quite clear. In the talking, there's a slight slur to the speech, and I thought, I think I'll go to the Conservatives, and uh, I went to Barry, uh, and um, and that was the beginning of my regular visits over these over these years. You know, in terms of uh, in terms of actually uh, 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 teaching, and a number of those first staff, in fact, from Barry and others are uh, now teachers uh, here, and of course. Jack has been on this coast for uh, quite a few years. So there's a kind of lovely 30-year uh, connection. And then James Barras in a chai shop in Bodgaya uh, in 1982, five years later, he kindly asked me if I would like to uh, come to this coast and start uh, 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 teaching. And so that's been going on uh, uh, year, year, year by year. And what's rather amazing, apart, apart from uh, one letter, the in all these visits to the United States, many years on uh, on the other coast and uh, on on this coast, despite everything that's gone on, that there's only been one letter of complaint. I think that is uh, there were all the things that have gone on over the over the years, and um, and I think it's a great credit to the um, uh, endurance. <laughs> uh, of boards of directors and trustees uh, and presidents and staff and other, uh, other, other, t- other teachers. And I'm very, very uh, grateful for all that that's gone on through the years there. The uh, decision not to, uh, to come is a little bit born out of circumstances. And if I just give you two or three minutes uh, to uh, g- give you the communication uh, of this. Um, probably about 10 or 12 days ago, I went from uh, Totnes on to the Tuesday and then, following morning, the early flight to New York. Then, giving the workshop on the evening of the day of arrival, and then the following evening, then five o'clock the following morning, flying here, to arriving on the Friday. On the Saturday, giving the one shop, one day workshop there, and then coming up here to give the seven days. On Monday, uh, the day after this finishes, I fly to London and arrive on the Tuesday. On the Wednesday morning, I fly to Germany. On um, the following Monday, I fly back. Then I have the four-day, five-day Dharma facilitators program. Then that finishes for two days, and I do another 5 days Dharma facilitators program. That finishes, and then uh, a week after that, we so catch up with uh, uh, everything else, including myself. And, um, and then I go to Germany. I fly back from Germany on the Sunday evening at 6pm and on the, uh, at, to Heathrow Airport. And at 10pm on the Sunday evening, I fly to Australia. I arrive in Australia for three days to see my mother, which is another retreat in itself. <laughs> and, um, and then there's the four-day Dharma facilitators program, the one-day meeting with the ten teachers, the seven-day Dharma gathering with 130 people, and uh, the five-day we pass in our retreat. This is why I'm doing this. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> because in this business, which, um, the only retirement is the cremation. You see, you just go to it. But having said all that, the only retirement is cremation, if you didn't catch the mumbling over here. But the great support and love of the Sangha, the deep friendship, and always the, the comforting thought, because when I say, oh, this is what I am doing, just saying it makes me feel tired. But we can always rest in the moment. The moment is always accessible for resting in, wherever, whatever. And that, I think, is the saving grace for all of us who claim to be living, or think we're living full-on lives, or busy lives, or, or, or whatever. So um, um, given now that I'm in the white-haired Club, so I'm just kind of pacing it uh, uh, a little bit more and have clipped off around six weeks over the last two years in terms of the rhythm and uh, flow uh, there. <coughs> Enough. So while down in the wonderful bookshop, uh, down the uh, hill there with the great... Uh, uh, Kindness of Mary Ann, I picked up four or five books as I do on my regular visits uh, here. And like many of you and others, uh, have a deep love for Rumi, the poet. This year, and in fact in the last month, a month ago, it was 800 years since the birth of Rumi. And he is possibly and probably the most widely loved and, and uh, great deep affection towards uh, 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 his poetry. And it seems to me that what he touches in us, or certainly what he touches I- in me, is this remarkable capacity in uh, the, the poetic expressions to touch upon love, eros, sensuality, profound spirituality and deep intimations of what a truly liberated life is all, all about, and he speaks to us in a, in a language, especially for dedicated meditators, a language which you and I can connect with and uh, relate to. And he's um, he's like um, a, a godfather in the in the sangha. His his voice uh, weaves in and out of many retreats, uh, many uh, lines of poem poems there. And and I think it's. Something precious uh, in poetry, because it always seems to me that as we go deeper, deeper into the very truth of things, we begin to really feel the limitations, if not the restraints, of, the, of modes and forms of language. And it takes, and sometimes, to me, it, sometimes it's in the lines of poetry that they speak, they intimate whispers of something which is much greater than itself. And the power of the poem is that it speaks of that which is beyond itself, yet of itself. And uh, Rumi is, is, is a master. He's, he's a great master of this there. So what I uh, did, I have um good uh, staff down the hill there, gave me a year with Rumi. We need more than a year. We need lifetimes. And just a little bit of background, there's perhaps there is a certain kind of relevance, uh, in fact there is, uh, with Rumi. he's he's a Muslim. He uh, uh, was born in North Afghanistan. Currently, our countries, United States, United Kingdom and other countries are making war on this country. He made the, the journey, um, because of the various in, invasions that were taking a place, through uh, the western part of uh, Asia and took root and took base in uh, Turkey. He met when he was 37 years of uh, age, his uh, uh, teacher, and through their deep connection and friendship and with uh, various others, it inspired this poetry which essentially embraces uh, love and and profound liberating truths and really bringing those uh, together. And that's something of the power of the voice. So what I'd like to do, I've just um, picked up four poems, a little bit of uh, uh, Dharma uh, uh, commentary uh, on, and and just a couple of small things aside, for example. um, There's a very famous uh, poem of uh, uh, Vrūmi, where he... (coughs) Speaks, uh, I can't remember quite the precise language. It speaks of the visitor, and so sometimes we are the host and we have the guests, and it refers to the various different mind states that come and go. You know, w- welcome the depression, and welcome the unhappiness, and welcome the happiness. That kind of. So we we are the host, and then these different mind states uh, come and go. It's an often quoted uh, poem. Uh, the Buddha, some. 1,700 years prior to the birth of Rumi used exactly the same analogy. There's another lovely piece of Rumi where Rumi speaks of how blind we are and we put our hand on the elephant and we think, oh, it's a wall or it's a post or it's a piece of leather or something else because we can't see, we don't know what it is. There's a lovely piece from Rumi. The Buddha used the same analogy. In other words, in the cross currents of poetry and the movement and exploration and stories, they weave in together. Who knows where the Buddha got it from? Just weaving in. It's rather, rather, rather beautiful. And these these stories and they get passed on from uh, generation to generation to generation to generation. And, and they're rather uh, uh, touching. And, and it's a it's a it's a tradition. And. Uh, Uh, Rumi is a wonder of the tradition. When it's cold and raining, you are more beautiful, and the snow brings me even closer to your lips. The inner secret, that which was never born, You are that freshness, and I am with you now. I can't explain the goings or the comings. You enter suddenly. And I am nowhere again inside the majesty." Typical Rumi, weaving back and forth between the personal and uh, the uh, impersonal. Sometimes we, exploration looking into things. We talk, we talk a lot. It's appropriate and skillful to talk about uh, uh, the comings and the goings and about our relationship to them, that which manifests and that which dissolves, that which arises and uh, that which uh, passes. And And we see it in the changes of the temperature, in the cold and in the raining. And sometimes in the cold and in the raining, we say, How beautiful this is! We see it in the, in the snowdrops melting and passing away, and we move even, even uh, uh, closer. And sometimes, in all of this weaving and this extraordinary dance of humanity, and all the extraordinariness which is uh, around us, it's as if, as he says, there's a kind of uh, inner secret that which was never born. So here we are, we, passing through our life, we say, I take birth. The new day takes birth, the cold takes birth, the raining enters, it forms, it's it's arisen uh, there. And we're looking, we're exploring all the time into the comings and goings, the comings and goings, and learning to live with it, with all of its troubles and with all of its uh, wonders. But then there comes the deep reminder from, from Rumi: What is that inner secret which doesn't come and go, which is not subject to birth, which is forever fresh? He says, "I can't explain the comings and the goings." And then you, this truth, this inner secret, you enter suddenly, and I am no, I am nowhere again." inside the majesty. And the precious thing and the beautiful uh, statement of this is that in the midst of the comings and, and the goings, that sometimes we can't explain it to ourselves, to others, what it is to be in this world, to move through this journey of life. And then something else, some, something secret, something we can't get our hands on, kind of enters into and we realize something, something else which is not in the world of the comings and the goings. And it touches us. It wakes us up. It, it brings something rather precious and, uh, and uh, uh, beautiful. And somehow there is a sense. And somewhere it's the foundation of everything. It's not subject to the comings and the goings. This is the majesty. This is something very precious. And sometimes it just stands out for us. Again, a little similar theme here. I see, I saw you and became empty. This emptiness, this emptiness more beautiful than existence. It obliterates existence, and yet when it comes, existence thrives and creates more existence. To praise is to praise how one surrenders to the emptiness. To praise the sun is to praise your own eyes. Praise the ocean, what we say, a little ship. So the sea journey goes on, and who knows where, just to be held by the ocean is the best luck we could have. It is a total waking up. Why should we grieve that we have been sleeping? It does not matter how long we've been unconscious. We are groggy. But let the guilt go. Feel the motions of tenderness around you, the buoyancy. Rumi again, using (coughs) the the ocean and, and the waves. Sometimes in the world, the dance, the dance of the ego, the dance of I, me, and my. Plenty of times, both past and present and and certainly into the future, we we will see that we've made, perhaps, a great fuss over something, whatever the situation may be. We've made a great fuss over it. And then, perhaps, right in the middle of the fuss, Whatever whatever it was about. Or perhaps through some reflection, some hindsight later on. We look and we say, what was all the fuss about? What did I make such a drama out of all of this? Whatever, Whatever it might have been about. And when we see right through it, we see the emptiness of it. We see that it was a storm in a teacup. We see see that it was a flight of fancy. We see that it was building up a huge story. I saw you and became empty. This emptiness, more beautiful than existence. It obliterates the existence of the drama, of the story, of the upheaval, or whatever it might be. To praise is to praise how one surrenders to the emptiness. And sometimes people have a sense of emptiness as something kind of negative or dark or cold or detached or distant. But it's the preciousness of the emptiness that makes all the diversity possible. Without the emptiness, it couldn't be full. Without the empty cup, the cup couldn't be full. And sometimes we are so infatuated with what's all the comings and the goings, all the forms, all the stories, all the dramas, and all the loveliness of our life. Sometimes we are so infatuated, we lose sight of something which it all rests in. Like the waves rest rest in the ocean. So the sea journey goes on, and who knows where. Just to be held by the ocean is the best luck we could have. It is a total waking up. Sometimes we're so embroiled in the waves of the ocean. I am a wave. You are a wave. My family is a wave. My job is a wave. My country is a wave. What I'm doing with my life is a wave. Just to remember, to be held by the ocean, to rest in it all is the best luck. It's a total waking up. Why should we grieve that we've been sleeping? It doesn't matter that we've been unconscious. Feel the motions of tenderness around you, the buoyancy. Mm, precious, beautiful. Next one, few, <coughs> few lines. Has the GOD word in there, but. And the first line is very, very precious and uh, an influential line in some of our lives. We should never forget it. Gamble everything for love. This is a fantastic statement. We could drop. All those things that you and I have learned, remembered, etc. We could really take to heart one single line. Gamble everything for love. Beautiful statement. We've talked over the days here with love and the the potency of it. uh, Stripping away of it as much as possible, to sense it, to feel it, to see its uh, manifestation uh, in our life. And sometimes, for the, uh, the act of love, however, whatever it might be, that we have to stay true to it, true to something, true to love. And this staying true to love is, I believe, the most important of all human ethics. Sometimes the tradition, not only the Buddhist tradition, but other traditions as well have, as well have put ethics or morality into uh, lots of rules, many of them, many of them. The Buddhist tradition has hundreds of them. And they have been thought out They have been decided upon. They have been introduced. We, you and I, have been encouraged to observe them, to keep them, to to, uh, uh, keep the code, or keep the discipline, or keep the morality, or whatever. There's a terrible danger in it. One won't read of that with Rumi. Rumi. That as more rules come in and more decisions come in, life, it tends to bring more control. And when there is more control, there's less love. And when there is less love, there's less likelihood of the gamble for it, because fear will enter into it. And we have to look with all our tasks and our responsibilities, whoever we are groups, organizations, religions or whatever to keep the dialogue and the questioning going of what expresses, what reveals, what makes the love manifest. And sometimes, in the making of the love uh, manifest, it will have to be accompanied with risk. And often the risk is being misunderstood. Risk is voices of concern. The... Uh, risk is it doesn't work out, whatever it might be about. And so sometimes the voices, the judgmental voices we have towards ourselves or we have towards others, quite often is touching upon oh, it didn't work out. Not the issue. It's not the issue. The issue is the love. And it may be, as um, Rumi is encouraging here, that we have to ask ourselves very sensitively and respectfully and uh, deeply, what shows the love? Where is it in the life there? And not to confuse love with attachment, not confuse love with holding on to. Not to say, I love you, or I love doing this, but it causes me so much problem because I love. So we have to look at what goes around with the love, the holding, the identification, the fears, the clinging, the demand, and especially what the self wants. And somehow a great task for us, for each one of us here, and for each other, is can I live in such a way that I'm so committed to love, so dedicated to it as a human force, that everything else is secondary to it. And then the love and the liberation start to uh, link together. Gamble everything for love if you are a true human being. If not, leave this gathering. Whoa! Whoa! Mr. Rumi, (laughs) this is tough love. (laughs) Gamble everything for love. If you are a true human being, if not, leave this gathering. Half-heartedness does not reach into majesty. You set out to find God, but then you keep stopping for long periods at mean-spirited roadhouses whoa Mr. Rumi half-heartedness does not reach into majesty majesty is the love you set out to find God, to find truth to find love, which is liberating but then you keep stopping for long periods at mean spirited road houses no no reference to spirit rock just in case there's any confusion (laughs) Wicked. Wicked. Shoot me. <laughs> so sometimes there are points and places as you and I know in our life where we have stopped we have become mean. We've lived in, in mean environments in mean social structures where the I, me and my has taken priority. And they have to look to see Can this dynamic, can this situation be changed? Can it be transformed? Can the power of love really start entering into it with no assurances? But one is gambling everything for love. And that voice of Rumi in which he says here half-heartedness does not reach into majesty. It's a kind of invitation to, to us wow, this is big time. This is not playing around, just uh, feeling a little bit of uh, uh, meta for a few beings that I like. <laughs> <laughs> this is really making some demands. This is really bringing some deep questioning to bring out the fullness of, res- of resources to really find majesty. To really be a really authentic human being. Sometimes we have to take the steps. I remember—I don't ag- agree with this—but remember, with, bef- before um, Mother Teresa became a Hollywood celeb, and just over ten years ago now that she she uh, she died, she died in the same week as uh, Punditji, one of uh, Shaila's teachers, who Shaila has referred to, and uh, of Princess Di, Princess uh, Diana. And Mother uh, Teresa and I uh, had several meetings together. This is before uh, in uh, Cal- Cal- in Calcutta because I have the Roman Catholic upbringing, and she's has Roman Catholic and European, uh, etc. And we were speaking about the acts of love, about uh, giving. And uh, uh, she said to, to me one day, she said, um, um, "You see this ring?" She said, um, I'm, I'm, I'm married to Jesus. He, he is my, a uh, little bit old-fashioned language, he is my Lord and Master. Not, mercifully, m- Most women wouldn't say that these days, but anyway. And he, she said, giving, as one of many expressions of love, starts when it hurts. Oh, and it's a little bit you know, Catholic, but anyway. <laughs> but sometimes when we look in the act of uh, love, (laughs) the act of uh, 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 generosity it's remarkable how vital it is sometimes that we have to extend ourselves and and consciousness has this remarkable capacity to go beyond the defined limits of the self self says I can't self says I'm not ready Self says, I am, an, I am an able to. And yet something else can be moving, in spite of all the, the, the qualms and the hesitations of the self, can move in the force of the act of love. The world's eyes at the moment, this, these few days are turned on, the, on the Burma. And the, the tragedy of the, of the ongoing situation there, now more than 40, uh, 40 years. And I met, it must be now ten years ago, with uh, Aung San Suu Kyi. I remember speaking about him, I came here after. And, uh, and she, Aung San Suu Kyi, the imprisoned mother of Burma, and under house arrest, and many of her friends and relatives uh, arrested, tortured, killed, uh, the democracy movement, etc. And I said, how do you endure this? How do you endure living in this environment, in these conditions all the time? Because she never said, spoke one angry, nasty, negative word about the military uh, machine that was running the country. And she referred to them very sweetly as the other group. (laughs) Some of us use slightly different words, but she called them the other group. There. And I said, how do you endure all this? How do you Keep it there. And with, with uh, the presence and the love of uh, Burma and her uh, people. She said two things. She said, one, which is very heartening, her we pass on our practice. She said, without her vipassana practice, she couldn't have got through all these years. And the second, the inspiration of Nelson Mandela that he spent 25, 26 years on Robin Island under tortuous conditions, had gone in as a violent activist when he was arrested and put on trial there, and came out as an utterly transformed human being and realized that words and dialogue is the means, for the resolution of conflict, not acts of terror. He was changed by his experience. And she, the fact that he spent so many years when she's struggling, when she's having a hard time, and the doubts and the difficulties and the anguish is running through her. she says, "Nelson Mandela. He can do it, I can do it. So sometimes we need the act of love. We need what's going to inspire us. We can't be half-hearted about it. She can't be half-hearted about it. Nelson Mandela couldn't be half-hearted uh, about it. And you and I, in our acts of love, in whatever manifestation, let's not be half-hearted. And if we, if we forget, then just remember the lines, gamble everything for love, if you are a true human being. If not, leave this gathering. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> okay. Lovely. Death comes and what we thought we needed loses importance. Profound statement. Death comes and what we thought we needed loses importance. The living shiver focused on a muscular dark hand rather than the glowing cup it holds or the toast being proposed. In that same way, love enters your life and the eye, the ego, a corrupt, self-absorbed king, dies during the night. Let him go. Breathe cold, new air. The nothing of rose light. And you know the tradition, to its great credit, has in given lots of uh, encouragement to the meditation on death. And some people think, oh, what a depressing thought to keep reflecting on death. But the reflection on death, and as we know, those times in our life when we've got a bit close to death, whatever that might be, that it helps immediately to put some perspective on, on ourselves. And what we thought was really important, with death close by suddenly gets far less uh, uh, important. And sometimes we are so focused on, um, on the darkness of things there that we forget to, to look at what life offers, the cup that it offers, and to learn to live with this and, and uh, uh, treasure it. And once again, in the same way, love enters your, your life, and the I, the ego, That means the grasping, the holding, the the clinging onto is a self-narcissistic, self-absorbed king in the consciousness. And it dies during the night. Let it go. I, me, my ego, all that self-absorption, let it go. Breathe in the cold new air, the nothing of rose light. says the poem on the opposite page. A a lover has four streams inside of water, wine, honey and milk. Find those in yourself and pay no attention to what so-and-so about such and such, says about such and such. Good advice, isn't it? Find those inside yourself. That means water, wine, honey and milk. Find it inside yourself. There's loads of it. Find those in yourself and pay no attention to what so-and-so says about such-and-such. It's a lovely line. The rose does not care if someone calls it a thorn or a jasmine. Fantastic. <laughs> the rose does not care if someone calls it a thorn or a jasmine. So... Uh, Sometimes, you and I, in terms of the the, the rose. If we're not concerned and worried about what so-and-so says, about such and such, including ourselves, it may be, it may be, that what is said of us and all of us, you and I, we have to deal with and face with people's approvals and disapprove And some say, "Oh, this person is so wonderful," and we make a yasmin out of them. And then this, this person's a, a pain in the you know what, and uh, and then referring to the thorn, uh, etc. The rose doesn't care. <laughs> if we have, a, if we are a lover of life. And we really trust in love. and there. Then all this may come and go in our, in our life. But we actually, the ethic, we remember the primary ethic. To stay true to something. Something else. Walk instead with the other vision given you. Your first eyes. Bow to the essence in a human being. Do not be content with judging people good and bad. Grow out of that. Nice. It, 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 nothing un, unambiguous, is it? You know, it, 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 it is. None of the sweet, oh, let's look at it. No, grow out of that. <laughs> the great blessing is that Shams, that's the, the network, the group the, of, the da- of the teachings, has poured a strength into the ground that lets us wait and trust the waiting sometimes, all difficulties, all hell is breaking loose. Lots of misunderstanding is going on in our life. Difficulties and and conflicts are going on. Nothing's getting resolved. We seem to be in one heck of a pickle. You know, all these things that go on with life. And, And he says, walk instead with the other vision given you. Your first eyes. The great blessing has poured a strength into the ground that lets us wait and trust the waiting. And the way we understand that, that sometimes, as the tradition has wisely advised, when all things are, everything's going wrong and all confusing and difficult, sometimes the resolution is noble silence. As my mother would say it regularly. Keep your peace. Keep your peace. And as we know, sometimes when the difficulties are going on with uh, life and often social difficulties, work, home life difficulties, relationship uh, difficulties. Sometimes, the more we say, it seems to feed the pot of the difficulties. Even if it's said in the best ways possible, And therefore, one of the resources that we have sometimes is just to be silent. Keep our peace. Stand steady there. Not make a fuss. Let things be patient. Be willing to wait. And one finds then in that willingness to be patient, in that willingness to wait, things in some way or other just begin to sort themselves out. And one's just, again that beautiful maxim of uh, the Buddha and Rumi of staying true to something. In these kind of um, um, uh, uh, teachings in in this particular book and other, other books, it is in the single line and the intimation of it And the receptivity between the the, the reader and the read. That something just meets a place and it just stays with us. And then it's a jewel. Then it's landed. And in the landing of it, it it helps to bring out of us truth. It helps to bring out uh, an authenticity in, in the life. And it's just sometimes in the few words that far more is revealed than a huge amount of knowledge. And the difference is that one, in this case, the lines of Rumi, is that the primary interest, and you feel the thread, you feel the thread running through, is not in information, it's transformation. And the power of language is not so much in the field of accumulated information, It's in the capacity to point to something not of itself. And that's why we need language. Not to know more but to reveal more. And Rumi is a precious and beautiful reminder because words of truth are as true 800 years ago In Turkey, in Afghanistan, as they are today in the 21st century. It hasn't changed for human beings. May all beings live with love. May all beings gamble all for love. May all beings love the unspoken secret. Let's have a quiet minute or two together, shall we? And um, on my uh, birthday in April, a friend took me to uh, a film which was a tribute to wonderful uh, Leonard Cohen. And some friends of Leonard Cohen, some singers, Mm -hmm. artists, put uh, together (coughs) uh, uh, an evening program in which they all sang songs of Leonard Cohen. It was a lovely. And so a DVD was made, and I watched the DVD at our local, locally. And in the middle of it, a young guy sang, maybe 30, named Anthony, of a band called Anthony and the Johnsons. And he sang a a song, rare times that, Leonard Cohen sings um, kind of God devotional songs. You know, he's a bit too Buddhist for it. And he wrote a song years ago in the eighties called "If It Be Your Will." And I have got it here, so don't. Uh, and um, and he sang it awesomely, beautifully. Not very often, I would say, it was uh, best uh, listening to a song and of Cohen that I'd seen by another singer. So as soon as I get home, as people do, typed in, Anthony and the Johnsons on the net. Who is this guy? So he's an English guy who lives here in the United States. And in 2000, I've got the CD here, with a bit of luck. And in 2006, he won the very prestigious Mercury Prize, which is for the best new band, rock band, etc. And and when they announced the prize and he saw television da, 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 that he'd won the prize there, the chairman of the judges said you will never have heard music like this before and the probability is you won't hear it ever again. My, wow. So then I got the, the CD. I have played this so many times, you can't imagine. And he is, um, what's the word? Androgynous. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he's, the man and the woman is fairly fluid in him. Yeah, bless him. <coughs> so, I would like, I you don't know, like it, you know to, if the sound system is working well, to play uh, three or four uh, of, 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 of the songs. And one of them, I can't third or fourth one, he, he says, lovely lines, he says, when I grow up, I want to be a beautiful woman, but now I'm a little boy. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> totally out there. So this, this is... Um, uh, uh, Anthony, and uh, there's some genuine depth in the lyrics, if you catch the words. There's some be- beautiful uh, depth, and sometime I'll give a little commentary. So we'll keep our fingers crossed that the CD, the skills of R- Ruby, the sound system all link up. 10-15 minutes.
1: sleep Oh, Lord, I Raise my hand. Oh, I'm scared of the middle place Between life and nowhere I don't want to be the one left in there left in the air Lies in life, and God said, I don't want to go to the seals, watershed. Hope this soul will take care of me when I die. Will I go? My lady's story Is one of breast amputation My lady's story My lady's story I'm a holy love I'm a bride on fire I'm a twisted tooth star to oh, why my lady stole story, me. my lady stole story for Long road for you, and I've been your slave. ready. Yeah. Nothing to keep One day I'll grow up, I'll be a beautiful woman. One day I'll grow up, I'll be a beautiful girl. One day I'll grow up, I'll be a beautiful woman. One day I'll grow up, I'll be a beautiful girl. But for today, I am a child. For today I am a boy For today I am a child For today I am a boy One day I'll grow up I feel the power in me One day I'll grow up I'll grow up. I'm no womb within me. One day I'll grow up, feel it full and pure. But for today, I'm a child. For today, I am a boy. For today, I'm a child. For today.